Robots Radio. Games. Lore. Stories. Community. Just press play. This show is brought to you by our patrons at patreon.com slash Elder Scrolls Lorecast. Robots Radio presents... Welcome to the Elder Scrolls Lorecast, a place where the Elder Scrolls community can come together to discuss the boundaries of our knowledge about the universe of the Elder Scrolls. You know who I haven't had on the show in a while is the uh, crazy old man. I need to invite him back. <laughs> you kind of took his place, I think. I know, yeah, I replaced him. Well, he was... <laughs> It, he was such a strange mix where he was part crazy old man and he had this weird touch of uh, Deckard Kane. Yes. As well. <laughs> Stay a while and listen. Yes. Yeah. Yes. He, he always yeah. had that that little bit to him as well, which uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I don't care much for Blizzard's antics, but oh man, I love Diablo. <laughs> I, like, I like Blizzard games. Um, oh no, I like Blizzard games. I just don't. <laughs> Them is a company bother yeah. me. A yeah, bit. yeah, the yeah. whole Activision thing. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but we're not here to talk about that today. We are the Elder Scrolls Lorecast. Thank you for tuning in. I am your host, Tom Orr Robots, and this is Lotus of Doom, as usual. Hello. Hello. And we are super excited because we are recording this on Thursday night. It is just after 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific on Thursday night, and we just watched the video game awards. And because of the big news that came out for Elder Scrolls Online, because they have a little teaser thing that showed up during the, the awards we have completely changed gears we were planning on going from the morag tong which we talked about a few weeks ago into the dark brotherhood because it seemed like a very natural progression right go start diving into the dark brotherhood hot takes on the dark brotherhood that i do not think mesh with too much of the community so yeah so there's lots of <laughs> interesting stuff to talk about to say the yep. least you know and not you know, the origins and who the night mother oh, really yeah. is and all of this stuff right there's all sorts Some of, cool of the stuff. best quest lines in the series <laughs> yes but but we just got an announcement for gates of oblivion which seems like it's going to be the name of the next year of content or something that would that would be my guess um, <clears throat> because we had the season of the dragon mm-hmm. uh, and then they announced the dark art of Skyrim and then it became, you know, oh, here's the Greymore reveal and stuff like that. And these are Harrow storms. But it, the initial thing we were shown, welcome to the dark art of Skyrim was the name of the year so my right. guess is yeah. this is probably going to be our next year long expansion because that's been their mo for how they're doing stuff and personally i think it's a very good one so right so if you haven't seen this yet i'm sure it's up on youtube by now um go look up gates of oblivion uh, there's a elven woman having these disturbing dreams and her hand is on a book and there's a symbol burning into the cover of the book while she's seeing these visions of what appear to be things that we've seen before from a previous Elder Scrolls game, Oblivion. And eventually we end up with Mayrun's Dagon uh, with his multiple arms and his demonic looking face towering over this dreamlike scene that she's now in. So... Um, so that's going to be the topic. Actually, we're going to we're going to dive into the oblivion crisis and talk about what that was actually about. So 
Elder Scrolls Oblivion came out, what, 14 years ago at this point? So if that's spoilery to you, then you're planning to go back into that game, then jump over this episode, at least until the second half, because then we've got some news and stuff we'll go over in the second half. But that is the focus. We're going to dive into the Oblivion Crisis, and then we're going to talk a little bit about how we think that this is going to apply to second era Tamriel in Elder Scrolls Online. So why don't we go ahead and get started with that? This is where you get off. Come with me. So the Oblivion Crisis was the main storyline of the Elder Scrolls IV Oblivion. And this was my entry into the series. I know you started with um, Morrowind, is that correct? Yes. Yeah, so the the game before that. And go ahead. Uh, So I was going to say, I I started with Morrowind. That was the reason I bought an original Xbox. And uh, me and my college roommate at the time um, scrambled everywhere to get an Xbox 360 for Oblivion, pretty much. (laughs) So because I just knew it as like the sequel to that really weird game that I played an unhealthy amount of on the Xbox. And yeah, prior to oblivion coming out, that game was like mind bending that that would, that was like as next gen as next gen could be when it was new. Yes. Yeah. It was a, like a launch title for the 360. Um, oblivion was, and, uh, it was one of those games that after my, after I found out that my wife was into, I believe it was Skyrim or fallout. I was like, oh, you've never played through Oblivion. So we, we had to like search it down at a local GameStop and I bought her a copy to play on the console because mm-hmm. I'd always played it on PC, but she preferred to play it on console. So I specifically went out of my way to get it. And then my daughter, Lainey, who co-hosts the Fallout Lorecast with me, jumped into it as well. And it's one of her absolute favorite Elder Scrolls games. I think she prefers it over Skyrim, actually. Um, I think it's my overall favorite soundtrack out of all of them. Like, I, I yeah. love all the music to the different games. And I, I actually think from... In totality, I think that is actually my favorite overall soundtrack. Yeah, yeah. And the way they rework the theme every time is always really cool. Mm -hmm. So the Oblivion Crisis is the main focus of that game. It was also known as the Great Anguish. And it was basically a total war between the Daedra and the population of Tamriel. And all of this came to pass because Uriel Septim Seventh. And all of his known heirs uh, had passed away in the very beginning of the game. Uriel Septim the seventh is assassinated by um, oh, what was the name of the group? They were the uh, I just fell out of my brain. Mythic Dawn. The Mythic Dawn. I, was, I don't have that written here, but I was like, oh, I should talk about yep. the Mythic Dawn. And then uh, it's further uh, the down Mythic the page. Dawn, yeah. yeah. Mythic Dawn are a very cool cult. Like they, they, mm-hmm. they had a very creepy vibe to them. Right. Yeah. And so they were worshipers of Mayrun's Dagon and the. The concept here is that Oblivion, well, the gates of Oblivion could not be opened. The Daedra could not invade Tamriel as long as there was a dragon emperor on the throne. And now that there was no longer a dragon emperor on the throne, then that kind of broke the whole promise with Akatosh that Tamriel would be safe. And so the uh, the Mythic Dawn had basically basically been scheming behind the scenes for years in order to make this come about. And 
um, once the <laughs> Oblivion gate started opening, of course, in the game, the first one opens up in Kavach. You end up jumping into the gate in order to try to close it. You figure out how to close it. You become the hero of Kavach everywhere you go for the rest of the game. Oh, it's the hero of Kavach. Oh, the hero of Kavach. The hero of Kavach. Everybody knows you as the hero of Kavach. Um, but of course, that's not the only gate that opens. And gates start opening across all of Cyrodiil because that's the map that you're in 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 that game, but supposedly maps or uh, gates opened up all across Tamriel, except for if I recall correctly, and I think Lotus, you'll you'll know about this too, except for in Black Marsh, where the the Argonians kicked their the Daedra's butt so hard that they stopped trying to attack Black Marsh. You remember yes, this? Yes, I, I I know. Um, I I'm not sure if some had opened prior to the event you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, in in the thing you're referring to, because I actually. <laughs> It's one of the things I always use, like when people are, you know, I, I always say different races all have positives and negatives. And for the most part, the Argonians are pretty relaxed with most things. It's just yeah. like, hey, man, leave us alone. Like, we just want to drink his sap and talk to trees. And a lot of other races take advantage of that. Um, but they get it's pretty jacked up on his sap as his or a <laughs> creepy entity which i love in the series just because they're so mysterious um but it seems like they for whatever reason are powered up by these trees and they basically bum rush into the oblivion gates mm -hmm. that they have access to and overwhelm the generals and lieutenants in there so badly that they have to close the gates from oblivion because they're getting butchered by all the Argonians. And they're <laughs> the like, well, Argonian we have no army. chance. We might as well just seal them in. We're all dead anyways. We can't let them just run amok here. Right. And I'm like, wow, that's uh, that's that's quite a fighting <laughs> feat compared to everybody else who's yeah. known for being fighters. Yeah. Can, can you imagine the Argonian army if ever they decided to unite and try to take over Tamriel? Like, yeah. Like the it, rest it, of the, the continent would be like just rolled over. I mean, they were they were rolling over the Daedra in their own realm. <laughs> like, yes. Yeah. They were the only ones during the Oblivion Crisis that just basically went in and just whooped the hell out of them. And it was like, OK, well, that's we'll just be another group decides to try to conquer all of Tamriel and Nern. But they're like, yeah, but maybe not Black Marsh. Let's just leave that alone. <laughs> Let's just like, leave them alone. Nobody ever ends up getting anywhere in Black Marsh. It's always like, all right, we'll just leave them to be and and we'll just we'll just move on nobody wants the swamp um, land anyway just let them yeah keep it. nobody really wants yeah nobody wants yeah. the swamp land and as much as argonians get ripped on apparently nobody wants to mess with them too much because you can't beat them in their own area so yeah <laughs> it's yeah. it's it's i don't know it's another you know another show for the hist but everybody's always on the wanting to know more about the Twimer and I always want to know more about the Hist because I don't know. They seem like they got some freaky powers hidden there and uh, the Argonians yeah. only kind of show little bits of it every now and then that make them a pretty big force that I don't think has been completely uncovered yet. Right, right. Crystal says like Russia in mud season. Like, yeah, don't attack yeah. Russia in winter. Not a good idea. Um, <laughs> no, Napoleon, this isn't good, a good idea. It's not going to work. Ah, I'll do it anyway. <laughs> Hitler, this is not a good idea. It's not going to work. Ah, I'll do it anyway. <laughs> like, guys, it's yep. not going to work. Um, yeah. If you can control a terrain that you have mastery of and nobody else does, it's just like, it, it, good luck. <laughs> good luck.
So uh, I'm, I'll read through the summary on the UESP of that section of this. Um, it says here, widespread devastation and casualties resulted across entire provinces. The Daedra besieged Skyrim and laid waste to the old holds. In Black Marsh, the Hist called back the Argonians to fight off the Daedra, like we were talking about. Yep. The Daedra commanders closed many gates to stop the United Argonians from entering. <laughs> <laughs> In Cyrodiil, the city of Kavach was entirely destroyed. Some Dunmer in the Fourth Era claimed that the Empire pulled out its forces from Morrowind during the crisis. However, no troops were recalled back to Cyrodiil from any of the other provinces during the Oblivion Crisis. The Empire was near collapse, but Uriel VII's illegitimate son, Martin Septim, ended the invasion with the help of a mysterious hero, the hero of Kavach. Me. Uh, yeah, <laughs> me and you and everybody else who played the game. Exactly. All of us. And it was all of us at the same time because Dragon Breaks. <laughs> yep, Dragon Breaks. We all did it. We all did it at the same time, individually and together. Uh, but yep. the cost was enormous. Martin, the last of the Septim bloodline, sacrificed himself and the Amulet of Kings to become an avatar of Akatosh and cast Mehrunes Dagon back into oblivion. This event marked the end of the Third Era and the beginning of the eventual disintegration of the Third Empire. Now, all of this happened because the bloodline was believed to be uh, ended. Um, the, the Mythic Dawn wasn't aware of Martin Septim. You become aware of Martin Septim. You go find him. You bring him back to the throne. He uses the power of his bloodline combined with the Amulet of Kings, the Red Diamond specifically in the Amulet, in order to become the Avatar of Akatosh and fight <clears throat> back the Daedra and Merun's Dagon, Dagon himself. And if you haven't seen the climax of the game, it's great, especially for a game that's 14 years old because you have a giant yeah. dragon version of Martin Septim fighting a giant... Um, Mehrun's Dagon with multiple arms. It's like a big Goro demon, and from from Mortal Kombat, he really did look. Yeah, that's... <laughs> <laughs> and and they duke it out on top of the Imperial City until the dragon wins and everybody is saved. And Martin, I believe, perishes at the end. Is that correct? He does. Because yeah. unfortunately, um, you know, a little fourth wall breaking with some of the voice acting, as this is, you know. Oblivion started to get pretty high budget after the success of Morrowind. Um, and unfortunately, one of the giveaways was Sean Bean. Mm. Uh, the actor was the voice of Martin Septim. And if you know anything about Sean Bean, he <laughs> always dies. Always dies. Yeah. He's <laughs> so like, surprised he doesn't escape the Elder Scrolls stories either. Yeah. Doesn't he have a record for being like the actor who has been in the most like successful movies as a main character who dies or something like this? I, it, that would not surprise me. Yeah. I assume he dies in everything, even things like uh, what is it? National Treasure, where like that's kind of like a family friendly movie. Yeah. And I'm like, well, once he's arrested, I'm sure he slipped on a bar of soap and died in jail. So right. like, of course, there's no hope for him. Poor Sean Bean. Poor Sean Bean. Yeah. <laughs> he just had like a, a, a stroke, an unexpected stroke, and he died. <laughs> yeah. Was, the stress was too much. Um. <laughs> so so this game focuses on this concept of the bloodline being broken and uh the need of the amulet and there not being a dragon blood emperor on the throne now let's talk about elder scrolls in the second age and this is what i find so interesting about this announcement of the gates of oblivion is that in the middle of the second age the time we're in the interregnum there is not an emperor on the throne and there's definitely not a dragon blood emperor on the throne which mm -hmm. means that this is the perfect formula for somebody like mayrun's dagon to take 
an opportunity to try to bust into Tamriel and invade it with a bunch of Daedra. We know that um, Molag Ball tried to do the thing where he tried to pull Tamriel into Oblivion, and that was yep. the main storyline that kicked off ESO, right? So why yes. not? Why not also Mayroon's Dagon? It makes sense. What do you think? I could see it, especially because um, I'm looking up the exact facts of it now. Um, but yeah, you're you're right. That's I mean the the basis of the PVP is the fact that there are three factions warring over control of the Imperial City because there is no emperor, and one of the you know in-game rewards for being first place in the alliance war and your side capturing the inner ring of keeps is you get crowned emperor and you get all these ridiculous powers that allow you to basic i mean the only way to describe it is you basically get to play with cheats when nobody else does um (laughs) because you become like godly powerful um but it's neat because they wrote into the story at base game the fact that there is no solid emperor, so everybody is fighting over being an emperor. And I always joke that with the, you know, the concept of dragon breaks, it's like, well, during all this turmoil, these people all could be emperors for maybe like 10 minutes (laughs) or whatever it is, but they're lost to the annals of the interregnum where so few records were kept and stuff like that. So it, it all makes sense, but could also have happened. Yeah, yeah. So it opens up the opportunity for somebody like Mayrun's Dagon to take a swing, which makes yep. sense. You know, like why, why wouldn't he have taken a swing a century or not a century, a, uh, you know, an era yes. before the events of the Oblivion Crisis? Mm-hmm. Um, also, during a time where there was so much chaos, uh, you know, it could have disappeared in the annals of history um, and not been something that was clearly remembered by the time this happened again. You know, that that's a common theme in fantasy tropes is this whole idea of like, you know, hundreds of years ago, this thing happened and everyone thinks it's a myth now. And, you know, like that kind of thing. So it could be just kind of, you know, worked out of the situation like that. Now, in the UESP article, we also have a selection of major battles and events that happened during this time. And I think it's interesting for us to jump through some of these before we get into a little bit more discussion about what our expectations might be for this next year of ESO. So for, first of all, there's the sack of Kavach. Um, we know that an Oblivion Gate opened outside of Kavach. They basically destroyed the city before you showed up. You show up, you find a way to close the gate. And then you're, of course, the mysterious hero of Kavach. There's also the fall of Aldrune, um, which I hope I pronounced correctly. The city of Aldrune was destroyed by the Daedra in an attempt to, to defend the city. The Redoran res, uh, resurrected the Aldscar Emperor Crab, which also fell. Interesting stuff. Then, then we have, and I think this is probably the most interesting of these, the collapse of the Crystal Tower. This is actually when that happened. Uh The Crystal Tower on the Somerset Isle, the bastion of all magical learning before the arcane university was built, was destroyed by Mayroon's Dagon's invading Daedra, despite the efforts of the powerful Altmer wizards. So that seems like an event that will have some sort of uh, radiating effects on the rest of time. (laughs) Yeah. Taking out one of the major towers is pretty rough. Yeah. Yeah. And not to mention that this may have been the the first of two. If you consider the uh, the city 
Um, very, very true. Yeah, the, the white tower, the white gold tower, and the the gem as being a tower, and it's uh, stone. I believe they're just called right. stones. Um, then there's the defense of Bruma. Martin Septon led, led an army of Cyrodiilic city guards to victory over the invading Daedric hordes. A statue was erected within the city walls in honor of the lone hero who charged it into oblivion in order to shut the Great Gate and prevent the destruction of Bruma. Wonder who that was. That's you again. <laughs> That's you again. Yeah. In this game, you just you got really, really good at just going in these gates and then just running past as many Daedra as you possibly could in order to get to that little orb thing that you had to grab, and then all of a sudden going whoop and getting sucked back out. Um, at least that was my my uh, main. <laughs> Before I got good at playing the game and was able to max my character out with some you know abilities and things, that was kind of my main go to. Um, and the last one is the Battle of the Imperial City. High Chancellor Akato, Martin Septim, his blades and Imperial Legion escorts fought their way through an Oblivion-sieged Imperial City. This is the climax of the game. During this battle, dozens of Oblivion gates opened up around the city, and the Daedric Prince Maroon's Dagon himself appeared in the besieged city, marking the fall of the barriers between Oblivion and Nern. The battle ended when Martin Septim, Septim in a desperate last-ditch effort, shattered the Amulet of Kings and became the Avatar of Akatosh. The Avatar banished Dagon back into Oblivion, ending the Oblivion Crisis. The Avatar turned to stone, killing Martin, but also leaving a permanent reminder of Martin's sacrifice. So, yeah, absolutely dead, not to be resurrected, and <laughs> that was it. So, those are the events. Um you have any other thoughts on this, Lotus? I do. <clears throat> One of which is what I was looking up in the background while you were reading that, which was um, in relation to us referring to there not being a um, Dragonblood Emperor on the throne at the time. And it's funny because one of the, I guess... I would imagine least played quests in the game and most overlooked. And also one of the coolest stories, I think personally is the Imperial city, uh, which is a PVP zone, which is a huge turnoff for many, many players, sure. <laughs> especially if you're looking for story. Um, but the Imperial city has a pretty lengthy uh, quest line involving someone called the Drake of blades. And, um, Molag Ball's plot to after you defeat him he has an event which is just a world event in the Imperial City sewers where people a lot of times you'll see farming it's called the uh, it's the simulacrum event mm -hmm. where a duplicate version of himself basically he tries for round two because he failed round one tethering you know Nern into Cold Harbor so his approach while they're sacking the city is to get himself summoned in with his legions of Daedra and um, I wanted to make sure that it was correct but one of the things these are mild spoilers I'm actually even though this is essentially one of the first DLCs in ESO uh, I'm going to give just like mild spoiler warning if you haven't done this because I know so few people have sure if you get a chance do the Imperial City storyline it's it's really good and it doesn't involve you just got to hide from people <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah and, just be careful go and, with a group and be careful go or if you go with hard. a group you'll be fine yeah um and a lot of them are instanced areas for the story stuff so you won't be like in a story thing getting jumped it's just getting from place to place which is the problem but um the final confrontation or whatever is in the underground below the imperial city where you go to dragonfire cathedral and 
you light a brazier that seems uh, from the best of my memory to almost mimic enough power to yes okay it's not a dragon it's not like a dragon fire but it's a holy enough thing where this brazier puts enough of a barrier so that he can't just come in run amok or whatever so you essentially have a chance of ending Moleg Ball's second attempt because he's very bad at seizing power um <laughs> but that's you know it, it even prior to all of this happening there is a nod of like yeah we've got to come up with alternatives since we don't have an emperor to keep things in check like what can we do as a as a in between failsafe for the situation so there there's already been remnants of them kind of mentioning like oh it, it definitely could happen and it looks like okay with the failure of molag ball well now here comes mayron's dagon to give it a shot this time so yeah yeah they're like tag teaming it he's like all right i'm yeah. out your turn and he's yeah. like yeah. i'll it's do like, it well, i've got you i have a hundred percent more arms than you that's that's my Mayron's <laughs> that Dagon that, impersonation. That's the, and and he does say that. <laughs> <laughs> does he? <laughs> I have that would be amazing. Percent more arms than you. <laughs> think, I think that was a. I think that was yeah. That was in one of the that's games. A quote. I'm sure. <laughs> that's a quote. Yeah. That's a, that's a quote from uh, Arena, right? <laughs> yeah. Perfect. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh man. All right. Well, that's that's the basic summary of what happens in the Oblivion Crisis. Um, and after the break, after we're going to take the middle break here. But after the break, we're going to go over some news, including some of the hints about maybe some more details about what's coming. And mm-hmm. um, also, Lotus, I want to talk to you about some of our expectations for how this might actually play out in the next year, because yeah, sure, this this could be very different in some ways than maybe some of these uh, last few expansions that we've gotten to the game. Maybe, maybe. All right, let's go to the middle of the show. The skies are marked with numberless sparks, each a fire, and every one a sign. All right, so everybody knows how VPN services and ExpressVPN can protect your privacy and security online right? But did you know that there are some secret hidden benefits to using ExpressVPN, like unlocking movies and shows that are only available in other countries? So if you're like me, you probably enjoy watching shows on Netflix, for example. Well, with ExpressVPN, you can unlock the UK version of The Office or Parasite from South Korean Netflix, over a hundred different countries. All you have to do is change your location and refresh Netflix or whatever, Hulu, BBC iPlayer, YouTube, you name it. In fact, when I set it up for myself, I was surprised at how easy it was. It just installs and then loads up and works. And it works on more than just PCs, phones, media consoles, smart TVs, and so much more. So if you want to access hundreds of new shows, use my link right now, expressvpn.com slash scrollslore. And you can get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free. That's expressvpn.com slash scrollslore. Expressvpn.com slash scrollslore to learn more. 
Ahoy there, ye landlubbers. Avast, my name is Captain Logan, and I'll be your guide out on the Sea of Thieves. If you love the idea of stealing treasure, cutting down cursed skeletons, fighting off krakens, and raiding forts filled to the brim with shinies, then Sea of Thieves is the game for you. Join me each week as I dive into the news and bring back the nuggets of information that any sailor worth their weight in salt would desire. You don't have to be a pirate legend to gain access to my podcast. Just search for Keelhauled, a Sea of Thieves podcast in your podcast app of choice or head over to robotsradio.net or captainlogan.podbeam.com and get ready to set sail for adventure. Thank you, Patrick Stewart. Welcome to the middle of the show and we are here uh, as usual to thank our patrons patrons thank you so much for being here i recently put a message on the patreon to say hey we're getting together at the end of the month but guess what it's uh almost a big holiday because the end of the month the, the, well actually no wait a minute did I? I didn't change the date of this one. I'm confusing my different patrons episodes because I have so many podcasts. And this one is going to be <laughs> on Thursday the 31st. Wait a minute. No, I did push that one back. We're going to have to come up with a different date for that. I was going to say, that's yeah. not better. <laughs> that's not better. That is one of the ones I changed. So I believe we're probably going to have to do that one on the 2nd. Um, if that makes sense, like we'll push it to a Saturday again. So patrons, if yeah, you'd like yeah, to join us. Um, you know, a little bit after the end of the month for for this episode, we'll we'll do that. Uh, we haven't come up with a topic yet, but I'm sure we could come up with something because there's lots of cool stuff. So thank you again to all of our patrons. You guys are the best. If you're interested in ad free episodes or getting episodes early or joining us on future shows or getting the extended versions of these shows where you hear us talk about stuff before or after the episode, then that's the way to do it. Patreon.com slash Elder Scrolls Lorecast. And uh, that's all I got for the middle of the episode this week. Um, let's move on. Yes, yes, you're entirely brilliant. Conquering madness and all that. Blah, 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 blah. Now I'm like double guessing myself. I'm like, did I post it on that one? I'm pretty sure I posted <laughs> it on all of them. This is what happens when you do this many shows. I do too many shows, yep. Lotus. Um <laughs> <clears throat> well, what are you what are you, what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? Just more shows. <laughs> there's, a lot, there's a lot to discuss. More shows. We gotta do more shows. Yeah, I've I've been um when during the game awards today, they were the, the one of the last big trailers that showed up showed space. And I was like, is this a Starfield thing? Um and we've done two episodes of the Starfield Lorecast already, so that's available if you guys want to listen to it, where it's just mostly ridiculous speculation. But I was like, oh man, is there all we start getting info for for Starfield, I'm gonna have to start kicking should, that up, that show up too. So to to be fair, you could just let you know more Starfax come out as if it was a real trailer. <laughs> uh, we could, we could. I mean, yeah. I mean, I know everything's based on hard research, and I've definitely <laughs> listened to the two episodes, and it's Star very facts. obvious <laughs> that the Starfax are only grounded in the most serious of content. Only, so. only the most serious content. You know, maybe I should mm -hmm. put together a fund, and people can chip in, and we can just take out our own ad on like the next big game show of some sort, <laughs> where we make a fake announcement. Amazing! Oh, man, that would be great with our with our uh, Microsoft Paint images. It'll just yep. be Microsoft Paint images like moving across the screen in the most like janky <laughs> animation. Yeah, high quality yeah, stuff. Well, 
you could also instead of Starfield just have like Star Meadow and just have it just coincide with everything you think is going to be in Starfield, but avoid copyright infringement. Right, right. Space Field. Yeah, exactly. We'll just Perfect. make it Space Field. Um, yep. Anyway, back to back to Elder Scrolls. Uh, so let's talk about this potential expansion and some of the locations that this might be going to because so let's think about it the actual oblivion of crisis that we're familiar with happens an era after and it happens in Cyrodiil and we speculated this is one of the locations we speculated the last last week on the episode about where they're going to take things wouldn't it be interesting if they went to Cyrodiil in some way so there's that potential there's also this concept of the gates opening. And as we know, in the third area, you had to enter the gates to go to oblivion, specifically the uh, the deadlands in order to try to close these gates. So mm -hmm. is this going to be an expansion that mostly takes place in another realm? Is this going to be mostly in the deadlands? Are we going to get gates that open up in other places throughout the map that we already have? Or are we going to get another location that we haven't been to yet? in Tamriel and then also happen to go through gates to, to do stuff. What do you think? Well, that's interesting because one thing that um, I assume, cause it's, they're not base game and city of Ash one might've actually city of Ash one definitely was, um, but city of Ash and city of Ash two are both dungeons already in elder scrolls online in which you go through an oblivion gate into the deadlands. Um, so it it deals with that in a um, Bosmer village as is. So there's kind of a nod there. Um, I know, again, because I'm an achievement hunter, um, if you complete everything in City of Ash 2, like all the varying achievements, um, you get... Um, it might actually be a title, but um, it's at least like the name of the achievement. It's like Deadlands Survivor or Deadlands Savvy or something like that. Mm -hmm. So like there's already some reference to Dagon's Deadlands there. So I would assume that since the precedent for him using his Oblivion Gates exists obviously it's not a new concept that he comes up with later on he's yeah. obviously got them i could see them maybe popping up and i i don't know it could still potentially have something to do with the thoughts surrounding uh cyrodiil we talked about it last time with maybe extending out cyrodiil um but for anybody who's seen the trailer and if you haven't seen it when you do see the trailer it's very black marshy where before it gets to the Daedric part of it. Uh, it looks very swampy, right. which gave me much more of a, a black marsh vibe. And there is a lot of black marsh that is left uncovered, both in Elder Scrolls Online and in general, because it's just not super well covered throughout the games. Um, so. It would be interesting if they filled in some more of that middle portion of Black Marsh as we've got, uh, oh shoot, what's the what's Shadowfen up mm -hmm. on the border of Morrowind, and then we've got a huge blank space, right. and then we have like Merkmire. southern Cer southern Cyrodiil is basically because Cyrodiil looks like a triangle, like an upside down triangle yes, and it, in the map. It'll connect to the east side into right. Black Marsh, so right. there's like all of that area. So that would be interesting if they almost did. 
like a jungly portion of Cyrodiil blending into more Black Marsh or something like that. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Like, I always it, thought that part of the map was interesting in playing Oblivion, yes. uh, going down to very much so. that, like the, because it's like this extended part that goes way down south below the majority of the other locations in the map. And it's very Argonian influenced. I mean, a lot of the people you come across in those towns uh, down there are, are Argonians. So that would make sense based on what they showed in the trailer. A lot of speculation that I heard, and actually uh, somebody reached out to me about some of the um, some of the uh, leaked like data mined stuff, which I actually did some videos on recently on my YouTube channel about the new Akaviri items that we're getting, uh, the, the crown crate items and the Akaviri crown crates, and also the... Um, uh, Mayrunes Dagon was here. I'll put this up on the on the screen. Um, this is the data mind Mayrunes Dagon figure who looks basically like we would expect and shows up in the the advertisement that just went up. Um, I'll pull up another one here. There's one of his uh, head close up that you can see, and it's, it's clearly him. You know, a Daedric uh, demonic looking head with horns and long ears and all of that stuff. So. There's that stuff, but then there in the data mine, there's also these other images of some of the gear that will be out. Uh, East Grimoire's armor is one of them. I'm putting that up on screen here. Yep. And it looks like uh, the East Grimoire helmet is designed similar to the East Grimoire statues that we've seen. And there's some other stuff too. Um, and if you want to see all of these, go to the Robots Radio YouTube channel and or or look up uh, ESO Data Mine. Uh, dot com, I believe, is the site. Either of those like locations will have everything you need. This is the Ooh. ancestral imperial armor, which I think looks amazing. It has the uh, kind of like the mohawk on the helmet, and has a, a gem in the center representing most likely the the gem, the the red diamond. And then there's um, another one here. That is uh, the ancestral imperial uh, helmet, and this comes from the the leather set. This is the lighter armor. Again, very cool looking. Um, some wings on the helmet. Again, the gem. So all of this points to the importance of the gem. These old imperial designs, Mayrun's Dagon, and then there was a, there was speculation about because of these being things that they were hinting at the Colovian Highlands, which would be like the north western part of Cyrodiil. What do you think about that? Do you think that that's a potential location? Does that make sense? Does that even make sense for us seeing like a marshy landscape? And I don't know that that even that, that works. That seems weird. Um, I don't know that that seems very strange to me if that's if that's the case. Um, but at the same time, like, I guess I don't know. We we had joked earlier before we started about there was <clears throat> back in one of the original things, it was kind of referenced that um, Cyrodiil before the time of Tiber Septum conquering everything was uh, like a jungle. Yeah. And then it was chalked up to being like, well, that was just a, a, a you know, a, a misprint or a, a way that he wrote it at the time. And he didn't really mean that. And then other stories are that, well, no, it was a jungle, but then when he seized power, he made it like what his vision was, which was actually just kind of like right. temperate climate right. fields and stuff like that. And, and the connection I'm to almost, the ta- the control of the towers actually controlling the reality and the, the nature of the land around it. Exactly. All that yes. stuff. Yeah. Um, so, and then, you know, there's, there's all these different theories 
prior to ESO on this. And it was like, well, yeah, so blah, blah, blah. Then ESO drops and it's exactly like it is right. in Oblivion. Right. So people were like, well, okay, well, how do you write that in? And to be fair, it's probably just, okay, we need to make it like that because this is going to be a mess to render realistically. But from a, from a story perspective, I think there's still something to work with where maybe these references, maybe there is jungle bit. We've just never seen it. And it was taken out of context. Like he was saying the whole place was a jungle, but he didn't mean the whole place was a jungle. Maybe he meant just along the border was a jungle or something like that. Sure. And sometimes, sometimes that kind of language is is used emotionally too. Like maybe he had a frustrating time working through the jungle portion of the area. And so he was like, ah, the whole place is a jungle. You know, like it, it could be just, you know, whatever the word hyperbole that's the word uh for something yeah. more than what is actually there but um yeah that that's really my only thought at the moment is just that we might see more of cyrodiil that is just we've seen the same portions of cyrodiil uh lesser actually in eso than what we saw in oblivion and Everybody's just focused on that being all of Cyrodiil. So maybe there is just more to this that we just haven't seen yet. And that's that's kind of my only guess that I can come up with, because otherwise that seems weird. <laughs> yeah. really, you know, yeah. It seems a little weird. Otherwise, is, is just kind of it. It's like, uh, OK, I mean, it, it, it could. But, you know, I, that would seem strange to me personally. Right. Yeah, I'm pulling up a map on the screen here. So the the Colovian Highlands, if you look at the Imperial City area is in the center of the map, then that upside down triangle portion is this serial PVP zone that we all know and love. The top left portion of that northwest is the Colovian Highlands is that zone. Yeah. Now, they could extend it further uh, west because that portion of the map is not filled in. Right. But again, that wouldn't or is that high rock at that point? Uh, well, if you, if you kept going to the West, you'd get to high rock, I believe. But if you had like, if you, if you start at the Northwest and kind of just cut it before you keep going West past that little, um, I don't know, that little bay that scoots in, I don't actually know which one that <laughs> is right by a Bosland so many names, yeah, um, yeah. but like right above, basically, if you took the dark brotherhood DLC, sorry for any audio listeners as we're discussing a map. So this might be a little hard. Right. Audio. Right. But the, but the, you, the portion that's near the gold court coast that, that yeah, then goes exactly. east from there is what you're talking right. about. Yeah. It is what I'm talking about that area. Um, you know, I, I could see, but then the problem with that would be, nothing about that would make me think jungle <laughs> right right yeah that's there's nothing like, there that looks jungly so no because even if you go farther to the south you're going to get to either the malabator area mm-hmm. and that's forest like that you know foresty or reaper's march as you go further down you're getting into like the desert region and then into the elsewhere thing if you keep going in that direction so it's like you have huge forests with the bosmer or you have the desert slash savannah of the khajiit and elsewhere neither of which strike me as jungly right so if we if we go directly south of cyrodiil then, in fact, if we were to draw a line between Cyrodiil and Merkmire, we have a very large swath of area here 
that could that could be filled in and that would make more sense as jungle yes which is what i was thinking along the lines of like okay if we go in that direction then maybe we could see like the jungle references or something right right yeah that that does make more sense so maybe the whole colovian guess was was incorrect but these um these outfits would still make sense for an area that was originally considered part of Cyrodiil. Plus, they wouldn't have to sure. redo any of the PvP zone or make like a separate yep. instanced version of that that has, you know, villages with people in it who aren't being mm-hmm. constantly sacked by enemies, you know, fighting. Yeah, they the could area. do something very similar to a zone DLC that they did with uh, the Dark Brotherhood right. and the Gold Coast. They just do more of that. Like that was essentially a zone DLC before they labeled it a zone DLC. Right. Right. I do like the idea, though, that Oblivion Gates could potentially show up in other zones. Kind of like um, that would be interesting. The Sigic Order, the Sigic Portals. The Sigic Portals. Those show up in multiple zones. They do. Um, They can they can be in any zone. Um, That's an interesting idea. like what if what or if you're if running could, around the map anywhere and a portal can just open up or you could see it on the horizon, you know, just burning. I, no. I assume this from a technical standpoint is absolute nonsense. Um, so, <laughs> so apologies if uh, this sounds well, maybe it'll just sound stupid, so it won't be a problem. But apologies to the ZOS staff if people actually liked this idea and then demanded it or anything like that. Uh, but it would be kind of cool if so we have the different incursions throughout um elder scrolls mm-hmm. online yeah. you have the dark anchors you have the dragons you have the abyssal geysers you have the harrow storms how neat would it be if we just had i mean they could do the incursions for the zone and they'll be oblivion gates but it would be neat just to your point if oblivion gates could show up anywhere yeah <laughs> yeah like you, it might I be a dragon or it might be an oblivion gate in that same right. location yeah I, I just couldn't under uh, imagine the technical undertaking of like okay now there's potential for incursions literally anywhere <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah that would probably be a mess but maybe the the oblivion gates will be the incursions for that's most likely the new zones we get yeah. like that and that would still be really cool because you could have the oblivion gate come up and Maybe you don't have to go into it. Maybe the creatures are pouring out of it and you have to cut them back in order to close the oblivion gate or something like that. I think that's probably the most likely thing to happen because it's the most like other incursions that already happen. Exactly. Yeah. I'm trying to think in terms of physics to the game. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Like that's probably the easiest way to code it is, well, okay, an incursion happens, but instead of an anchor coming down, we have a gate that opens up. And instead of these types of Daedra popping up where the anchor is, these types of Daedra now pop up because they work for Mayroon's Dagon. You know, that that would be the easier way to do it. I think the more interesting way to pull that off if they could, and who knows if they even have the ability to do this, would be for the gates to appear and then you have to enter them and you go into that world and you have to fight through in order, just like it happens in in Elder Scrolls 4, um, in order to close the gate. So it's almost like a little mini dungeon, almost like a delve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That you go through. You close it. Um, but wouldn't it be even more interesting if you then got kicked out and you could come back out through any of the other gates locations? Oh, interesting. Because you get kicked out. Like you you pick up that orb thing and the everything collapses and you get thrown back into Tamriel. I think it'd be really cool to just create some sort of randomness to that of like, oh now I'm over here. That Whoa. yeah, it's like, oh no, no. It's really disorienting. <laughs> I, I you entered know? in Reaper's March, now I'm up in, you know, 
Skyrim or something. Sure. Now, I mean, of course, you can just fast travel somewhere else if you wanted to. You know, like it's, I, of it's course, not the end but of the it's world. just a neat little. Yeah, yeah it's, it's yeah. Like I don't know where I'm that, gonna end that's up. That's an interesting. Concept. Even if it's just one um, zone, even if, if it's just like a new zone or a reworked Cyrodiil. Sure. You know, uh, you just end up somewhere on the other side of that that specific map, and you're like, oh, now I'm over here. Okay, well, I'll just do some of the quests over here while I'm, you know, while I got spit out by this Oblivion Gate. Um, that also gives the writers a potential reason f- to work this in as something that isn't completely on the scale that of what happened in the Elder Scrolls 4 maybe this is like a test uh incursion by Mayrun's Dagon maybe this is an initial oh okay you know like an initial attempt and this is during the second era he tries to invade he invades in one location we of course rally we kick him back out yeah. whatever uh good guys win um and that's why the incursion testing the defenses. Almost. Yeah. Yeah. That's like, oh, why I poke. Like if I needle this, how bad do they fight back type of deal? Like, exactly. And then by yeah, the third era, he's like, well, OK, if I'm going to do this, I need to invade everywhere at the same time. And then that becomes massive. Um, one of the other one of the other people in I think it was a uh, fragile shark says uh, it would be really cool to see Mankar Cameron and the mythic dawn. Yes. Mankar Cameron isn't born until the third era 267. So he technically couldn't be in the second era unless there's some sort of weird thing that happens with time or who knows. Uh, I also believe that the Mythic Dawn probably wasn't created until then. Actually, I'm going to pull it up right now just to double check this. Um, uh, They carried out the plot on a certain date, but I don't see like I don't think we have a specific day. Uh, of when it was formed. So maybe the formation of the Mythic Dawn happened before uh, Manker Cameron was around. So maybe that could be a thing and you could have some other terrible <laughs> person <laughs> leading this um, and, and trying to bring about, you know, the, the you know, Mayrun's Dagon coming into Tamriel. So who knows? They're uh, third era 33, according to Judas Malice uh, is when it was created. Okay, I'll have to, I'll have to look a little bit deeper hmm. into that. Uh, but still, that's third era so maybe it's a different organization that's behind it or maybe yeah. there's no organization at all maybe it's just Mayrun's Dagon doing his thing because maybe there doesn't need to be an organization because there's already not a dragon emperor on the throne right that I suppose that could be true yeah hmm interesting stuff I think I think this is all very very exciting yes I am very very I mean for what little that trailer shows it did a great job of I mean I've constantly praise that the trailers i love the blur trailers i really just want them at the end of eso whatever year that happens um just combine all those into one really awesome movie yeah <laughs> they're so good uh yeah you can watch those so on youtube there, there are channels where they take them all and job. stitch them all together yep um oh yeah and they're, they're all equally awesome mm-hmm. um so it's like i i really I think this was another great addition to that. It got me very interested in the next uh, saga that we'll be going into. And it was funny because, you know, when we had Ark on the show last week, we kind of spitballed a couple stray ideas that we've referenced this time. Yeah. And people have been asking, you know, what what do we think and blah, blah, blah. And really, I've been kind of like, yeah, I could see the, the, the you know, Cyrodiil thing and all these things that people are putting forward and the only thing i really wanted more so than i actually believed would happen was i 
have been just like, oh, I would love it if we just fought a Daedric war again. Like, yeah, that just really big, ominous power. So it's like, oh, my God, we're granted not at all who I thought, as we made many references to Meridia possibly being like, hey, maybe she'll be a villain. OK, or Mayron's day gone out of left field to like swoop in with the like invasion. Like, OK, that's that's good, too. I'm down. Yeah. Yeah. So. Okay, well, those are our thoughts. Um, if you're in chat right now and you guys have some other questions, I see some more questions popping up. Stay tuned for after the show. We'll answer some more of your questions. Um, the one other thing in the news that I wanted to talk about is there, there's even more news about this other AAA title that Zenimax Online is working on. It seems that they've opened up a secondary studio. They're bringing in Quentin Cobb, who was a designer who recruited from Naughty Dog, who was another major game developer and Quentin has a lot of experience with a bunch of different titles and they still haven't talked about what this IP is, but supposedly it's a new IP seems to be the rumor. So I don't know what this is at all. I would assume that it is an MMO style online kind of game because that's where their experience lies. Um, I would also assume that they're bringing a lot of their experience from Elder Scrolls online and a lot of the things that they've learned with that engine and probably aren't reinventing the wheel when it comes to some of those things. I would also hope that they're moving into a new version of the engine or a brand new engine, maybe that they're launching with this new game. Do you have any thoughts on that Lotus? My assumption, um, I don't have a lot of thoughts. I have heard a little bit about this. Um, not to, one pretend that I'm like some type of high end programmer. Not <laughs> definitely not. Um, <laughs> but um, I would imagine even if they were to do something in a similar vein, um, like as a project, like, Oh, an MMO or something like that. My first thought would be that they will probably not use the hero engine that they started with, at least with Elder Scrolls Online, right, right. because they have bent that thing to do so many things it was not originally designed to do, which has caused a lot of the technical problems that they are constantly fighting to make sure stay in check. But at the same time, they've probably learned so much and they have done so many things that this engine wasn't originally designed for. If they had all these ideas and all this experience at the start of a project, they could, even if they used a hero engine, because, you know, it, it, engines are a complicated beast that we're not going to get into. <laughs> but um, if they started with what they know now, and that's where they start their coding, that could be quite an ambitious project, um, you know, and hopefully a lot more stable than the rocky launch that ESO started with and then has done a good job of overcoming even amongst its hurdles. It still to some degree carries that stigma of people just being like, oh, dead game. It's like, all right, yeah, 15 million people. It's a dead game. Got it. Very good. <laughs> right. right. Like, yeah, just because, very just because you don't yeah. like it, just because after your 2000 hours playing the game, you decided you don't want to play it anymore. doesn't mean you didn't get your money's worth. Exactly. And it's yeah. like, and by no means am I going to say this game doesn't have technical problems. It, it does. And, Sometimes they are able to figure them out. Other times they're not. Other times they're changing things to work around what's there. But like, if they had the knowledge they have now at the start of a new game, you'd probably deal with a lot less of that and you'd have a lot more features available to you type of deal. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I have no idea what this IP would be if it's a brand new IP. Is it going to be a fantasy thing? Is it going to be a sci-fi thing? Is it going to be something different altogether? Is it going to be horror? Like, what what even fits into that space? You know, there's I don't know. There's there are some really cool new MMOs coming out on the horizon, um, but I think that that is that is a really interesting question. Like, how do we move MMOs into this next generation of consoles and PC specs? And how do how do we design that? What is what does this game as service thing look like for the next ten years? Because right for sure. Because you, if you're designing a game now, that's a new AAA title with a studio like Zenimax Online. You're not designing something that two years from now is going to launch, and you're going to expect people to be excited about it for six months, and it's going to disappear. You're designing yeah, something exactly. that's going to last the next decade plus, hopefully. Right. Um, so yeah, I'm excited. I don't I don't know what that looks like, but. You know, I can't wait to find out. I hope that with the experience that they have, they bring in a lot of the things that they've learned. And uh, some of these other developers, guys like Quentin Cobb, obviously have a pedigree. They have a lot of experience across many different titles. So it's it's exciting. It's exciting to be in this place where games are maturing. And and I've likened this before on previous episodes of some of the shows I've done. We're moving into a stage in game in games in in video games that is very similar to like the 1940s of film we're past that initial early stage it has gained mass acceptance and now we have people who have grown up in the industry who have decades of experience who can really commit to doing their masterpieces um i'm excited to see where that goes because i think that the next 10 years is going to be phenomenal uh, you know, hoping as long as the world doesn't explode or whatever. So, you know, or yeah. Mayrin's yeah, thing opens a bunch of portals and, you know, uh, sucks us. Yeah, that wouldn't be great. Or, that wouldn't be great. Yeah, that would, that would be terrible. Well, uh, that's what we got for this episode. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. Lotus, do you have anything cool going on you want to talk about? Um, the only the only thing I can say that I really hope to see, and it's obviously the most important takeaway from all of this discussion, is Zoss has a real chance here to right a wrong that was done in Merkmire, and instead of waste shrines, have root worms <laughs> that carry us around the fast travel network. <laughs> I'm never going to let this go. <laughs> Tuttle, are you listening? You listening, Tuttle? Tuttle? I don't know if it's, it's his decision important. to do this or not, but... I'm sure he could figure out the lore to make it work. It's very important that we get more rootworms and less way shrines just in that region. Unless, of course, it's not in Black Marsh, and then that statement has no relevance. <laughs> but uh, yeah. yeah, no, other than that, I, I uh, just kind of playing more arena. Um, I'm actually in Black Marsh in my arena travels on twitch currently um it's not going well i'm dying a whole bunch but uh, at <laughs> oh, least no. i'm out of <laughs> at least oh. i'm out of the crypto hearts um but yeah that's pretty much it uh streaming when i get a chance um now that eso has gotten some much needed patching and love um at least from my perspective on the ps4 uh things have been drastically improved which is awesome that's great so I'm looking to finish up uh, Markarth, actually, so that I will be fully ready for our next season when we find out what that what that is. Yes, I need to play through that and do a uh, Sir Robots adventures in Markarth. Mm-hmm. I need to mm-hmm. do that. It's it's on my list of things to do. Uh, Cyberpunk came out, so that's, of course, grabbing my attention. And I've I've got this goal and I've mentioned it on some of the uh, some of the ads that pop up during some of the shows that I'm trying to push for four thousand subscribers on my youtube channel so i'm 
uh, with all of these episodes, I'm putting out like extra little bits of YouTube videos because the whole episode goes up on YouTube. So if ever you want to watch us and see our meat faces and the images we pull up, you can always go check those out there. Uh, but I've been releasing extra stuff like um, you know, the data leaks that came out for Elder Scrolls Online and some of the like I've been doing character builds for Cyberpunk. So I've been using a lot of my time to do all of this other stuff. So I'm, I'm creating as much content as I can. I just want to keep giving you guys awesome stuff so that you keep, you know, checking out the stuff we're doing because I think that it's it's fun and I love interacting with the community. So go check that stuff out there. I think you guys will like it. Um, but very soon. I will be launching efforts to, uh, you know, track down what's going on in Markarth for uh, Sir Robots. And maybe those episodes will show up as filler episodes in between regular episodes of this podcast again. So you guys can enjoy the audio experience of, of that. So that's what I've got going on. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. And if you're here for the live show or if you're a patron, stay tuned. We'll be chatting with you guys a little bit after the episode ends. And until next time, I hope you guys uh, stay safe. And if you see any Daedric portals opening up, then um, hopefully you have an Argonian neighbor. You can just feed him some his sap and send him through because he'll go kick their butts and close it for you. So good luck with that. We'll talk to you guys next week. See you later. Bye. Bring back rootworms. Bring back rootworms. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Elder Scrolls Lorecast. All sounds and music are owned by Bethesda Softworks or Zenimax Studios, and no copyright infringement is intended. If you have something you'd like to contribute to the show, please reach out to us at elderscrollslorecast at gmail.com or on Twitter at ESO Lorecast. If you'd like to help support the show, check out the rewards you can get at patreon.com slash elderscrollslorecast. I really appreciate you listening, and I'd love to hear from you soon. And thanks to our patrons for support, especially our Tier 5 patrons, including Noodle Al Dente. You've been listening to a Robots Radio Podcast. Smart shows for interesting people. Check out all the shows at robotsradio.net. My name is Brian Burton. It's been 26 years since the bombs fell. And since I've left the vault, I've been trying to rebuild. This isn't the Appalachia that I remember. There's so much more to everything going on. And I promise to find the answer. So if you're out there, if you're listening, just hone in on these coordinates. Remember, there's a place for you at the end. Omega. The Omega Broadcast Fallout Story is available on iTunes, Spotify, and many great podcasting sources. Hey friends, this is Robots, the creator of the Robots Radio Podcast Network and host of the two original shows on the network, the Fallout Lorecast and the Elder Scrolls Lorecast. These two shows have rocketed up the iTunes charts. They both together have over 155 star reviews in only a couple of months with bite-sized episodes that take you step-by-step step through the background of the games and the game worlds. They're thought-provoking, well-produced, and a lot of fun. I recommend you go check them out at robotsradio.net or on any podcast reader, podcatcher, whatever you use, iTunes, Spotify. Again, that's the Fallout Lorecast and the Elder Scrolls Lorecast, available everywhere. Once upon a time, 27 years after the bombs fell, 
there were two people, a vault dweller and a California girl. They met and sparks flew. That's when things got interesting. Once Upon a Wasteland is their story. Follow Elizabeth Kirby and Odessa Valdez as they pursue their happily ever after in the post-apocalyptic Appalachian wasteland of Fallout 76. Available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and many other podcasting platforms. Once Upon a Wasteland, a Fallout 76 love story. Available now.